Right, welcome to Tefal Waffle with Troy and Steve. Right, so today I think we're going to waffle about how much work is enough work, or too much work, for that matter. Steve, how much do you work? I work a lot. Um, but uh, how much work is enough work in terms of at, at school? And yeah, it's a hard question, isn't it? It's not easy to say which work is work and which work isn't work. Okay. Um, so, if we just simply look at it as a teacher's job is to teach, uh, how much work is enough work? Teaching work. Um, yes, I'm leaving that deliberately vague. Yeah, but the thing is that a teacher's job is not just to teach. That's that's a fallacy. Yeah, we're going to have to try and compartmentalise it a little bit, maybe. My, my, <coughs> my, my immediate answer to this is the more we work, in the classroom anyway, the more you do, probably the less effective your lesson is. Um, yeah. So, more work is probably counterproductive. For the teacher? For the students, or for the, for students? the students' perspective. Um, an ideal situation in the classroom is lots of activities, students are very busy, and the teacher should be fairly free to monitor and move around. Okay, so you're not talking about how many hours a week we do. You're talking about how much the of the hour in the classroom is us working. Uh, are you talking about the number of hours? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is hard. Oh, how much where work does is this question work? come from? A uh, bunch of different places. I mean, when I was young, there was a while there where I wasn't a teacher, and I'm speaking very young, like late teens. There was a time when you weren't a teacher. I can't believe that. Yeah, from wow. the until the age of uh, 19, wow. 20. Okay. Yeah, where I, I just worked. If somebody said... We need time to do overtime. I went, yeah, sure. Can somebody work on a Sunday? Yeah, sure. And I would do a 70-hour work week. But that wasn't 70 hours of teaching. That was 70 hours uh, at the time. Uh, I was a bodybuilder, which sounds really cool and fantastic, but actually means... You make large vehicle bodies, like oh. trains and buses. and <laughs> You don't the, lift heavy weights. And no, put them the, down the name of the, the trade job is bodybuilder. If you're making caravans or buses or okay. whatever. And yeah, if there was 80 hours of work, I worked 80 hours. All right, okay, so then how much work is, in, is too much? Well, in the classroom, okay. anything more than the minimum is probably too much, in my opinion. You've got, you've got to try and... Maximize student output rather than... Teacher output. So that means get your instructions out, create... But that to do that, you need a lot of pre-class work. You need to prepare your materials. You need to make sure that there's a sequence and coherence and that the students... And you sit down and analyze the activity and realize it needs this supporting language. Yeah. And so you better and include maybe, that in your instructions. Yeah, maybe in the beginning of your lesson, you need a lot of work to get the... To get the activity prepared, do pre-teaching of, of vocabulary and yep. uh, so I think there's certain stages of the lesson where you do work hard, but ideally, less is more. Uh, All right. So in the classroom, when you are in the classroom, um, work less. Work less as a teacher. Try yeah. to get the students you know, to do as much as possible. I was at a workshop when I was a young teacher. I was a, at a workshop. Were you ever with, young? Uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a time when you were young. <laughs> I was, I was, and uh, the director of studies did this workshop, and he's. His thrust was be lazy. Oh, nice. Yeah, he said, just just don't work. Do nothing in the classroom. 
And uh, I carried that with me because that was actually quite, um, that was quite a good little aphorism for me to carry around with me. Yeah, I, I, I had a couple of those when I was starting out. Um, one was, uh, you already speak English, shut up, oh. let the students practice. I mm. um, can't remember what the other one was, but this, along the same lines. So a, a different angle to this question is how many hours a week is enough? Okay, so uh, obviously now we've got two different questions. How well, many hours a week in the third. classroom versus preparing to get to the classroom? Yeah, so that's the third question. But um, the other one? Uh, well, how many hours, how hard to work in the classroom, how many hours a week to teach in is the classroom, enough, and how much work to support your teaching is enough. Okay. Um, because I've got an answer to each one of those three questions. Okay, um, let's try to simplify it. You have to teach for an hour. How long does it take you to get ready to teach for that hour? Yeah, okay, so this is actually a question that we ask trainee teachers. How long should I prepare for an hour lesson? Yeah. And as a trainee teacher, maybe you're preparing for three or four hours. To teach the to one teach hour. It. Well, in the, first in the first week of our course... Our trainees have to teach a 10-minute mini, mini lesson. They're an assistant as part of the lesson where they're not actually teaching for 10 minutes. They're supposed to... They have 10 minutes of classroom time, yes. which is supposed to be an activity. So actually, it should be only one to three minutes of the teacher okay, and seven or eight, time, yeah. seven, eight, and nine I, minutes And I see them student. preparing for two days for yep. that. <laughs> so I think that as a beginner, maybe maybe we... We need a lot because our repertoires are so small and we don't really know what we're doing. And um, and in our first three years, maybe our preparation time is still very high. Okay. Um, I've, se I've seen ways of cutting that down. Yeah. You know, building lesson banks, building material banks, recycling activities. Um, with young learners, making sure that your classroom routines are, are well established and the kids know what the sequence of events is cuts down your preparation time a lot. So perhaps ideally, in an ideal world, 15 minutes for every hour of prep? Okay, I actually cut my prep into two different segments, and I think of them differently. Um, yeah, 10 or 15 minutes of prep for my one hour of teaching, but I don't include making activities, materials, anything else in that prep time. Okay. I count that as separate. Uh, partly because I can easily spend one hour making a 25-minute activity if I get into it and I really want to make it good. Yeah, well, I agree with you, especially if you want to put little decorations on, because some teachers do, little yep. flowers on the corner. But there's lots of ways of cheating with that too now, with with templates and stuff on yep. the computer. You, um, um, I also, though, part of the reason why I, I separate them out is um, there are times when I open the book and I go, oh, that lesson, I've got a 35-minute activity for that. And I don't have to prepare that activity. And I know the activity well enough that I can review it quickly and run into my lesson plan. And then it took me two minutes to plan 35 minutes of my hour. Yeah. And I throw in a five-minute warmer and all I've got left to plan is my presentation and mm. a little bit of practice stuff. So actually, this question is something that I thought about a lot because I I'm a avid over preparer. I yeah. especially if I don't know my students, I like to walk in really really well prepared, armed for every eventuality. Um, I mean it's like going into war with 
with weapons that are completely out of uh, proportion to the enemy that you're fighting. But it's an unknown. So. But it's an unknown, and, and it makes me feel secure. And, and But the other day, I, I want to tell you a story. The other day, I got to school, and the teacher, one of the teachers hadn't pitched for his lesson, and he hadn't indicated that he um, wasn't coming. Pitched in British parlance being... Arrived. Yeah, okay. okay so um, I had to jump into his lesson, and I had a half an hour, and I didn't know what he was teaching. So I had to come up with the topic, prepare it, and I didn't know who the students were. Um, and how many of them there were. And how many mo- and, and what panicked. their yeah. language level was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And, and I panicked a bit, and I spent 10 minutes prevaricating between three different topics, and I just wasted a whole bunch of time. And eventually I just thought, ah, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do this, and I did that. Um, and I whipped out a course book and found a, <coughs> a page on it that was relevant I went through my computer to find an activity that I had stored, which I could use, and I landed up with eight or nine different activities, but no practice. There was no okay. practice. I didn't yeah. have anything for practice. Um, and no so accuracy-based stuff. No accuracy, yeah. So I had a presentation and I had a production, but I didn't have anything to do in between. So I spent 15 of, of the remaining 20 minutes that I actually wasn't panicking. I spent 15 minutes deciding what practice to do. And then in the lesson, I think because I was fairly poorly prepared, it was a blast. Um, but to some extent, you're over-prepared as well. You had eight activities and you can only fit four well, into I your class. Well, I only did two, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> um, and I was being observed. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was a perfect storm, really, wasn't it? Um, okay. No, but, but um, I didn't have a nice visual to start the lesson off and I didn't have a... Um, <clears throat> so the students actually drove the lesson to some extent. Yeah. And I heard a similar story on another podcast, um, the TEFL Training Institute podcast. Um, one of the guest um, speakers. speakers was telling a story about how he had to substitute a lesson and he couldn't prepare a game in time. So what he did was he had the students in the class prepare games in groups and then teach each other how to play, how the, to game. play the game and then monitor the games and... And he said that um, <clears throat> that was actually quite useful for everybody. And maybe sometimes preparing less, if you're confident and you've got a repertoire built up. Uh, yeah, well, th- that's the thing, isn't it? The repertoire thing changes how much prep time you need for the class. And also, when you're halfway through an activity, you can often see, oh, I can do that thing with it yeah, now. Yeah. And I think the preparation thing, when you become an experienced teacher, maybe the preparation thing is just to... to for your own psychological yeah. crutch. It's not actually going to change the lesson by preparing five minutes more, but it's going to make you feel more confident about it. Okay, so ratio of preparation to class time is obviously hugely dependent on your experience, your repertoire. How well uh, you know the students. How well you know the students. If you have your computer with you that's got all those all old activities it, yeah. from other places, <laughs> etc. All right. Okay, there's another thing, which is marking. Okay, right. Because I actually found, when I, when I was teaching at school, I spent more time marking than preparing my teaching. Yeah. Um, I found that true in the beginning, and I had to put quite a lot of work into not getting sidetracked by my marking. Uh, marking's tedious. It's the one thing that I don't like about my job is admin. And sometimes the marking is just pure admin. It's not actually for student feedback. It's the school says, 
oh, by the way, everybody needs a pronunciation score or an improvement score, a classroom presentation speech score. Or yeah, whatever. but one of the schools that I taught at, if, if the students did an activity, whether it was a, an activity from the book or a, a worksheet, yeah. it had to be marked and scored and graded, and it had to, because if the students put pen to paper, it had to be scored and graded. And some yeah. things... Some things are not valuable in that sense. Some things you just want them to do to... Yeah, to, to practice, to, to get that out, to um, So it was a lot of that kind of tedious, okay, I've, I've marked this now. Um, that stuff uh, I struggled with <laughs> a lot in the beginning. I remember in my first uh, end of term exam, must have spent a week marking the, whatever it was, 50 papers that I had. Mm. And it was tedious and it was boring and and it made me not focus at all on my planning because I was so busy going, oh no, I haven't finished my marking and it's due in that day. What it does do though is it, it makes you think twice about giving students homework. Absolutely. <laughs> and and also makes you really good at not giving busy work because if you give busy work and say take this home and do it or do this and it then I'll check your it. Marking, yeah. yeah. Um, but eventually I did find systems where I, I can collect grades during lessons. So mm. in, in the going back to the whole, the teacher shouldn't be doing too much in the classroom. Yes. What you're doing instead of being the centre of attention is you can walk around and, and collect a grade. Uh, or you can walk around and, and take notes on uh, pronunciation errors for your next warm-up, for the wrap-up, for feedback, for whatever. Um, so you can minimise that. It just, unfortunately, the minimising that part only comes into effect after the fact. After you got to the end of that first term and realised, oh no, it took me a week to mark that writing assignment that I gave them, I won't do that again. How can I get the grade in another way? Mm. And you can fix it next time. Also, when it comes to marking work, paperwork, if it is a closed activity, having peer, peer marking, yeah. I, I found cut down... Getting them to mark each other's work and then taking it in and just signing each thing or, or corrective, just checking their marking, saved me a lot of marking time. Uh, yes, but also the it's be quite creative sometimes to make sure that that peer correction isn't busy work for the students. It, it's educationally valuable. Um, I know that in the transition between... I can get the students to self-correct or peer-correct and into the... What are they getting out of correcting... Uh, there were there was a period there where it took up more class time to get them to mark than it would have taken to get me to mark it myself. Mm. I was experimenting and figuring out ways to make sure they learn from it. All right, so we've got how much does a teacher work in the class? In the class. How much does a teacher work around the class? To yeah, getting ready to go into it. How much do they work? After the fact, the admin marking yeah. side of it. And then your other question was, how many hours a week is enough? Or hours a day, or places of work, yeah, or so as a rule of thumb, breaks I, in between lessons. Uh, as a rule of thumb, I would say 24 a week. 24? 25, I don't know, 26. 20, in, 20, in Singapore... 25, okay. Five, let's five, say five, five hours a day. Yeah, in Singapore, we had a schedule of 26, okay. of which two were... Um, Compulsory substitute lessons. Okay. Um, but in Japan, I taught from 12 noon until 10 with a one-hour lunch break and no no breaks between the classes. 12 so noon to 10 at night. Yeah, so that was that nine lessons a, a day, but it was very small classes. That 
seems to me to take more prep, not less. The small class part. Well, everything was scripted and you followed oh, it. Okay. It was horrible. Um, but it was a lot of classroom contact time. And by the yeah. time your 9 o'clock class came around, your smile was in rigor mortis yeah. mode. <laughs> okay. And the students at 9 o'clock? Were just coming out of work. Okay, so they were just kind well, of... Well, you know, it's Japan. Yeah. yeah, but they were trudging in going... But I, think in, uh, and, uh, but I think in a school, you need breaks between classes to consolidate, yeah. re... And to also to, to recharge, to get recharge. focused on... I know that even two hours back-to-back, -back, uh, if it's two completely different lessons, when one group is leaving and the other, student, other group is coming in, I'm shuffling papers... I'm putting away the stuff from my first lesson. Mm, and getting um, the stuff ready for the next <coughs> lesson. In, in Cambodia, um, the teachers teach four-hour blocks. So with no break? With no break. Well, with, with five-minute breaks. Okay, the, the same group or no. four different groups? Well, so that's a good question. In the one school I know, it's different groups. Okay. But um, at one of the other schools, it's four hours in the morning, four hours in the afternoon, two groups, same, same lessons. Okay, so you teach a four-hour lesson in the morning. To, let's just say, kindergarten three. Yep. And you've got and then, them the whole, for the whole four hours. So you have one class of four hours, then the afternoon, you've got you have a different group of students, but you repeat the same lesson. You repeat the same lesson, but there might be one or two of the students who have been in the morning class. <laughs> oh, come <laughs> just on. Just to confuse things. Um, so in, in those schools, they count classroom time as teaching time. So if you're on a four-hour contract, you teach four hours. Um, which I find, which is quite hard because any preparation that you're supposed to do then is in, Done at is home or school. in the office when you come two hours earlier. Yeah. Or you but I think that in, in, in developing countries, in Europe and, uh, sorry, in developed countries, there are pretty strict regulations on how many classroom hours a teacher can be allocated. But in my experience, I mean, a teacher will then go home and teach more. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the government can impose their regulations on how many hours a teacher is going to teach. but In the government school? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Once they go home, they... They're going to do more work. Teachers love working. Uh, yeah, by and large, they tend to. They do, yeah. yeah. Um, I know that uh, when I was starting out, I, I only thought of my work as the in-the-classroom part. Mm. And I did take stuff home. And, and sometimes I took things home and went to... Uh, all right, I'll take care of this before I go back into school at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I didn't. You don't. That, that thing of what the teacher does in the classroom is the teacher's job is, is why a lot of people think teaching is so much fun and so easy. Yeah. When I decided I was going to become a teacher, my father said to me, that's great, Steve, do that, because then you don't actually have to do any work. You'll never have any pressure. Because the pe things that a teacher does in the staff room or quietly at home yeah. are invisible to everybody yeah. Um, and so that's and to me that's that's the big part of what teaching is about. What's in the classroom is is the easy stuff, I think. Uh, I I think so as well. I mean, obviously that's a little bit of uh, experience in being confident and comfortable and and having the repertoire etc. But yes, the classroom part is the easy part. It's also the fun part though. The fun part, yeah. yeah. And and so that looks like teachers are just having a constant. Yeah, just messing about. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you're with that kind of teacher. I know when I started out, because I thought of it as classroom hours, I started taking more and more hours. Somebody said, hey, we've got an evening class. And I went, yeah, sure, I've got, I'm free in the evening. And uh. hey, can you cover this morning? And, uh. and there was a point there where I, I actually don't know how many hours I had. 
three-hour block in the morning, a three-hour block in the afternoon, a one-hour before class, a one-hour during lunch, and a two hours after class, however many hours that is. And um, my evening lessons were crap. And um, they, they were. And if anyone can speak Thai, they might be able to figure out what the guy on the street is selling to us. <laughs> Brooms. Brooms. Yeah, do you want a broom? Yeah. Mike, what, what? Okay. So um, if, you, if you teach 20 hours in your school, and your school also says uh, you have to be in at 7.30 or 8 a.m. And you have to be in until 4. You have to be there until 4, and you're teaching 20, uh, let's say 25 is the one we picked. So mm-hmm. five hours a day, you've got a lunch break, and you've still got two or three hours a day to mark and, mm-hmm. and prepare. Mm-hmm. Is that enough, the two or three hours let's call it office hours, when you're well, not in class but you're at work? Personally, for me, no. I, in between classroom time for me, I was at school, I was inevitably talking to students, counselling angry teachers, yeah. um, sitting on my desk going, oh my God, I'm so tired. Uh, and then Going, oh no, the photocopies that I thought <laughs> I had on my desk aren't there. Did I leave them at home? Yeah, so there's lots of time at school where, which is actually productive time, which I found pretty unproductive because, yep. just because of the, the, the wash of people around me. Yep. Um, and so I took a lot of work. I take a lot of work home. I've got a lovely office at home and I do all sorts of interesting things in it, like mark and prepare and Read papers printer. And, and yeah, I, I love working at home. But that means that I don't do any private teaching. I, that was a decision I made. I, I, don't like, I don't like to work after I finished working because okay. I prefer to work after I finished working. Right. Uh, I know a lot of teachers, as you said, they, they work after work, mm. um, which for most of them means I'm leaving my office at four at my, my school, my staff, room. my staff room, and I have to be at that place to teach at five. And it's going to take me half an hour to get there. Yeah, In between, I'm going to drink a can of Coke oh. and whatever. Yeah. And so they're, if they're preparing for that evening class, they're probably preparing poorly or during their free periods at work. Mm. Or they're recycling stuff they've just taught during the day. Yeah, right? Yes. Okay, so there's that trick yes. where I work in two places. But I can cheat. the same stuff. I can teach essentially the same stuff. I can borrow a lot of what I've done for that place I can use here mm-hmm. and vice versa sometimes. When I was in the Maldives, I, I was teaching high school and um, my principal, when I got the job, said to me it was not allowed for me to teach outside of school, but I finished work at 12. <laughs> so I could go scuba diving and, and have that kind of war. And eventually it, it came up that there was stuff to do outside of class. But the, the, what I taught in school to high school students wasn't appropriate to the adults that I was teaching in the okay. evenings. So I, what I, because I didn't prepare a lot, what I used to do, what I did is I found a book in the library over there, which was a, a book about phrasal verbs and, and it was really interesting. And I, I used to cheat by taking material from that and then yep. just doing phrasal verb activities with the students and then framing that with discussion pronunciation activities. And I don't think I was a very good teacher at the time, but it worked for me. And it, it meant that my preparation load for those evening classes because it was just one-to-one was really short and as I said in an earlier podcast my one-to-ones for me are a coffee break you know I I treat it like a chat um, and I'll only focus the conversation if I identify that there's something that's really needed yeah no I for me myself I find that there's a a weird balance 
um, because of the nature of the work that I do, there are times of the year where oh, I've got a five-hour class on Monday morning and I've got uh, two or three hours on Tuesday afternoon and then I've got a couple of, I've got five hours on Wednesday morning and a couple of hours on Thursday and I've got nothing to do on Friday and I've got the weekend off and then on Monday I don't have anything and then on Tuesday and etc. And at those times of the year, I find that I'm actually working too little and my teaching starts to suffer a bit because it's, uh, well, I've got those three hours tomorrow night. I've got plenty of time between now and tomorrow night. And when it rolls around to tomorrow night, it's, oh, do I have to go to work now? And off I go to work and I, and I pull out some stuff and I do my stuff. And then there's the other extreme where, uh, hey, can you take these five classes with the Ministry of Education? They're seven-hour classes uh, once every second week. And I said, yeah, I can do that. And somebody else says, um, can you do this work... Uh, on these six randomly chosen dates where you've got to leave home at 4am to get there. And I say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then somebody else says, I need but a cover you, for this. So does this mean that you're working too much then? It means I'm working too much at that time. There are times when I'm going from work to work to work. But, but your argument is that at that time you're actually better prepared and you're in the, mo- in the swing of it. Uh, I'm better prepared for some of it, but there's always something that gets deprioritized at that time where, okay, I'll prepare this block, and, and I do do a thing now where I prepare in blocks, that I prepare a lesson, I prepare five lessons. Personally, I don't know how you do this, because that means that every time you walk into a classroom, it's a bunch of strangers that you're teaching. Yeah. And, oh, my yeah. God, I know. It's not a bunch of strangers, but, well, sometimes it's a bunch of strangers. Yeah. And, uh, but I like the intensive nature of it. and I don't know, I love getting to know my students and finding out who they are. And, and I, to me, that's what teaching is about. Um, to me is the how much can I get out of them and am I up to the challenge of of taking a class and within four hours changing them from we're shy and we don't speak English to we're really excited and we're bouncing off the walls and using lots of English they're shy with you and then they're not shy with you that doesn't mean that you've changed them I've taken them from we can't use English to yeah whatever it's fine we don't even know we're using English anymore it's just just become a thing that's happening. Yeah, I don't but, like your job. But at that time of the year, I, I definitely deprioritize stuff. Mm. There's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle. There's this nice really? sweet spot where... There's enough work. Enough keep... work that it the momentum keeps going. Mm. And I, that class that I taught today, I'm seeing them again two days later, and then two days after that, and two days after that, but and I suppose it's that's, five that's hour the block. case with these long two-month holidays where you're not working and suddenly you have to start working again and you've got to swing yourself back up into a momentum of, oh, yes, I'm a teacher. Um, yeah. You lose your identity. So to me, the answer to how much work is enough or how much work is too much is yes. Um, yeah. I, I can't actually answer it because if I have too little, I get lazy. And if I have too much, uh, my prep time you obviously suffers. Mm. Yes, I start cheating. And that sweet spot right in the middle uh, never quite lasts long enough. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the term now and we're looking towards the holiday and the exams and we're coming back off a little bit. <laughs> all right, it's a new term. All right, everybody come back. Yay, welcome back. Let's get back into the swing of things and then we can start to slow down and take it easy because 
I've trained my class into their classroom routine. Mm. They know the system. I know what I'm doing for the first half an hour of every lesson to get things going. How much work is enough work? Less work than you can do as a taxi driver and probably more work than you can do as a uh, a opera singer. <laughs> I don't know how much work opera singer does. Neither do I, but it's the somewhere in between. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good answer then. Yep, the non-answer is the answer. Right. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, go do some work, man. Yeah. Payfall Waffle is proudly brought to you by the non-stop Wafflers. Tor and Steve, for any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tefolwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.tefolwaffle.com. <laughs>